Welcome to episode 138 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I am super glad to be spending this time with you. Thank you for joining me and my guest for this episode, Katherine McKenzie-Smith, for a far-ranging conversation about introversion, personality types around the world, and how to lead with your strengths. A few days ago, a listener named Tom sent me a fantastic article called I Used to Be a Human Being by Andrew Sullivan. It ran in the September 19th, 2016 issue of New York Magazine. Tom heard me talk about taking a break from the news and social media in a previous podcast and thought I would appreciate the article. And he was absolutely spot on. It's a long but an excellent read about how Sullivan realized that he was too enmeshed with his technology and it was damaging his health as well as his overall experience of living and being present to the world around him. The intersection of that article and a visit with a 98-year-old friend named Bob just earlier this week offered me a few important truths, and I want to share those after my conversation with Catherine, so stick around for those closing thoughts. I want you to meet Catherine McKenzie-Smith if you're not already familiar with her work. Catherine is a life and business coach, helping introverts understand themselves, create businesses that light them up, and cut through the noise to connect with the people who need to hear what they have to say. She's a trainer for life coaches, a self-help guru, according to Elle magazine, and a champion for introverted leaders. You can learn more about Catherine and how to connect with her and her League of Extraordinary Introverts podcast, as well as find links to her Introvert Island book selections and other resources mentioned in this podcast in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash podcast. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you today. Hi, Beth. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, what is making you smile today? Uh, well, talking to you, this is uh, it's a little bit early in the morning, so getting to talk to you first up is a, a wonderful start, and I've just moved back to my hometown um, in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, mm, and it's warm, and I can, for the first time since moving from Sydney, I can hear the birds chirping, and it's so oh. quiet here, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Lovely, yeah, and we should say, like, it's, it's three o'clock on Wednesday where I am, and it's eight o'clock in the morning on Thursday where you are. I was <laughs> yes. like back to the future. <laughs> it's, it's here and it's all good. It's lovely here. Um, yes. <laughs> Thursday's looking like a good day. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, um, I sort of know the answer to this a little bit, but not, not in the spirit of no assumptions. <laughs> I'd love to hear yep. um, where do you feel like you fall on the introvert extrovert spectrum and how is the awareness of where you are on that spectrum influenced you as an entrepreneur? I love that question. And I mean, I, from the Myers-Briggs test that I've done, um, or tests that I've done, taken many, I love taking those things. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> the last time I did it, I, I get like 11% extrovert. So I'm <laughs> surprisingly not a necessarily shy person like mm -hmm. most people expect of quite introverted people but I am I do fall quite far down the, uh, the down the introvert end and the awareness oh it's been such an interesting journey for me because I used to work in television in Australia and you know that's a very extroverted industry yes. um, behind the scenes as a, a kind of producer and all sorts of things but you know going from not really knowing that much even though I knew 
that was my personality type. And then going into working for myself, being a coach and entrepreneur and not really acknowledging that. And Mm. then one day having this realization that I was having conversations with lots of people, uh, my clients, about you know, being an introvert and being sensitive and having to be aware of your energy and all of that. And I kind of had this realization that, oh my gosh, you know, this is a thing. And if I don't start acknowledging that in my own business, um, you know, I'm always going to feel like I'm never going to be you know, charismatic enough or outgoing mm-hmm. enough or extroverted enough to cut through the noise of other entrepreneurs out there and, and you know, really find my own way to shine. And so it has massively influenced my business. Yeah. What drew you? I, I'm curious about your first career in television. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What drew you to that? And, and how did you navigate it, especially because, yeah, it sounds like it would be a very extroverted kind of place. Yeah, it's really funny because, you know, what they say about hindsight. Uh-huh. Hindsight 2020. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now I look back and I go, okay, when I was 15 and I had to choose, you know, what subjects I was going to do in my senior years at high school and then where I was going to go to university and study and do all of that, you know, when you're 15, they kind of, in Australia, put that pressure on you to make mm-hmm. that decision. And I loved watching movies and, and mm-hmm. really good TV shows and reading books and things. And so, you know, my 15-year-old brain kind of went, well, you know, that would be cool and, you know, some parts of of that industry, you know, post-production in particular where you get to sit quietly in a room and, and put stories together mm-hmm. um, is, you know, quite ideal for more introverted people. Um, unfortunately, the first few years I worked in production, which meant that I just felt like I could never play the games that um, – or I was never, you know, prepared to do that either, um, you know, to get the promotions and get the jobs. And my last year working in TV, I did work in post-production specifically and most of the people I worked with there were introverts. <laughs> but you still were constantly battling with the extroverts that were out in the field, you know, getting the footage and all of that. Yeah. And it just – it was exhausting. It was – and – yeah, it wasn't, it was sort of like, okay, well, this is just the job. This is just what it is. But, you know, eventually that that gets really just too exhausting and you have, you start to look for a different way to live, I think. Yeah. What's something from that period of your career that you carry forward to now that's been beneficial? I learned so much. Um, and I, you know, I was quite a timid, shy person um, in high school. And, and when I first kind of you know, my early 20s and, you know, working in that industry, I had that goal, you know, I was going towards that goal and I was prepared to do kind of whatever it took, including, you know, moving to a different city and all of that to achieve that goal. And so as a result, I found myself in pretty uncomfortable situations, you know, having to call people up on the phone and interview them and having to, you know, put myself out there and and do things that were maybe against my natural tendencies. But as a result of that, it helped me to come out of my shell and be true to who I was, but also be less shy and less timid, I think, than I probably would have been had I not had that experience. Yeah. 
Well, that leads us to where you are today. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we're grateful that you um, had that experience and are bringing that to introverts now. And I'm imagining that one of the ways you're doing that is through what you have formed um, called the League of Extraordinary Introverts, yeah. which I love that name. Um, what inspired you to create that? I just found myself coming up against lots of you know, people who were maybe a couple of years behind me, you know, just starting out their businesses and just starting to think about doing things and, you know, really speaking and believing that they, you know, maybe needed to change who they were or they needed to, you know, stop being something, you know, stop being an overthinker, stop mm. being um, so quiet and, and thinking things through and taking a long time to do things. And, I was walking one day to meet a friend for coffee and it just popped into my head that the people who are successful, you know, as introverts such as yourself and Susan Cain, Brené Brown, Danielle Laporte, I mean, mm -hmm. there are millions, we could talk about that all day, are people who have not ignored their kind of more quiet nature but actually use that as their greatest strength and what I wanted to, I mean, the League of Extraordinary Introverts obviously is a play on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which mm -hmm. is, you know, <laughs> a bit yeah. of a pop culture reference, which is all my thing. Um, you know, I wanted to not only be able to show them that there were people out there who had found something they were so passionate about that they were prepared to do the things that maybe they wouldn't naturally want to do um, to share that message or share that movement with the world. And so I kind of wanted to create something to, sh to show them that there are people out there who aren't using their introversion as an excuse. And then, yeah, I sort of turn it into a little community and, you know, now it's there for people to ask questions and to feel supported and to feel like they're not a weirdo, which, uh, you know, a lot of us have felt growing up as mm -hmm. introverted kids. Um, yeah, I guess it kind of just all sort of came around that way. Awesome. What a great support for people. And isn't it, I, I always find it fascinating, and I've said this on the podcast before when I interview introverts who have formed communities. <laughs> it, seems yeah, like, it seems like it would be counterintuitive, but we do talk about <laughs> uniting just kind of on our own, you know, and on our own terms. And if we find that safe space to hang out, we are as connected and social as, as anyone else. Absolutely. And I think we're just so lucky to be living in this time where we have the internet and mm -hmm. you can choose when you show up and how long for and then you can kind of shut it all down and go away and, you know, do something else. Um, I, yeah, it doesn't mean you're kind of stuck in, the, in a group of people. Right. You can kind of do it as it as it suits you, um, depending on the time of day, like we were talking about earlier, you know, yep. I just stay away from everything early in the morning. Um, but I've, you know, I know that I can go in later in the afternoon and, and feel really good about that as well. Yeah, yep. All on our own terms. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of our own terms, there's one of the areas that I know you're passionate about is introverts and leadership. Um, yes. you, you talk about introverts finding their own way to lead, one that represents who they really are, rather than all of those shoulds that society tends to impose on us. I want to start out first, because in the spirit of no assumptions, how do you define leadership? And what strengths do you believe that introverts bring to it? Mm. I think leadership is 
really helping guide others to kind of a common goal. So it's not about dictating. It's not about you have to be, you know, thinking the same way as me. It's really about, you know, helping to guide other people towards something in particular. So the thing that I think that makes so many strengths as, as introverts to be great leaders, including, you know, not needing necessarily external validation Um, and not saying that all extroverts are like that but it does seem to be more of a tendency that um, we we are waiting for other people to validate us in order to make a decision or you know be prepared to say something that maybe isn't a popular opinion because of that kind of being okay with being on our own Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. as you know, as leaders, that is actually quite a strength because it means, hey, you know, this is what I think. I'm going to stand out here and and say it. And if I'm on my own, that's okay. I'm I'm pretty cool with that. Um, right. Not to say that there aren't, you know, we don't all get influenced by other people and and that sort of thing. But I do think there's a certain strength there. But I also think that because we are prepared to step back and get perspective and listen. Um, and not necessarily want to be the center of attention, Mm -hmm. that gives us this ability to take other opinions on board, to let other people shine. You know, being a leader isn't always about being right and being the center of attention. It's really about, you know, giving everyone a, a bit of a fair go and then coming to a decision maybe, you know, together or once all of the information is gathered, which is something that I think that introverts do particularly well. Yeah. What have you noticed in the difference between leadership, hmm, how one defines a leadership or leadership styles between what you've observed? And I don't know how much direct I'm asking this and and, and I'm not sure how much direct experience you have with it, but um, between like the United States or, you know, a North American kind of extroverted style of leadership versus what you might experience in Australia. Have you noticed any differences between those? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I actually have started to sort of see that uh, Australia is quite like America. We're maybe mm-hmm. a little bit um, more kind of laid back. I, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. a good friend and mentor of mine, uh, Megan Dalacamina, and I had the conversation on my podcast recently about that this this vision of leadership in many countries, and I think Australia and America are very similar in that way is a very traditional, non-minorities, gender-specific kind of like straight white middle-class man is the definition, especially in corporate, of of leadership. That is the kind of icon of what a leader is. Mm -hmm. And any, I mean, we um, we see it at the moment with the election, um, which we're all following closely, even here in all (laughs) the way down the bottom (laughs) of the world. Yeah, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But it is. It is really an analogy for where we are right now in in society as a a civilization, this struggle between the traditional concept of a leader and, you know, the opposing, you know, all of us, all the rest of us, everybody else, you know, introverts, women, um, minorities, you know, um, sort of LGBT, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone who doesn't fall into that category. Um, this is why we're watching, I think, with bated breath because is America as a culture ready to accept that there is a different, you know, way to lead than this, yeah. you know, arrogant, white, 
man (laughs) and not saying obviously it's a massive generalization but that is what trump represents i think um it's very interesting um so from an australia america i think that we have a similar um yeah a similar belief here but i love that you know every day we're all fighting to change that Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that extrovert ideal, um, extrovert expectation that we have of our leaders is, you know, does seem to be manifesting itself in America on the national stage. Because I I don't think I know that Clinton herself has described herself as an introvert, or at least she calls herself an extra introvert, which I, I loved that she kind of put those two things together. So making that clarification, I love people, I'm good with people. And you know, I get my energy in my downtime, processing time, alone time. And while I think there's so much going on on Trump's end, it's hard to say, but I would venture to say he's an extrovert because he does seem very externally oriented. And so there's all these different dimensions that I think we're seeing playing out that, as you say, it's fascinating to watch because it's forecasting and reflecting what is it that people really value and how are we defining leadership? Because there are a few Mm. positions other than president of the United States that embody what the world looks to for what does it mean to be a leader? You know, because they're just that along with other, you know, world leaders and and on that stage. But um, yeah, it's been fascinating. So (laughs) I hope anyone listening (laughs) bears with us. And it's too interesting and too much of a thing to to not um, acknowledge, really. So thanks for going there with me. Oh, no, no, I think I started it. But it's okay. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And I think, you know, America, so many of the Western countries um, are following are following your lead, you know, mm-hmm. um, whereas you think of countries like Japan or Norway, Finland, Iceland, you know, they're going to have more introverted leaders because yes. they're more introverted nations. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fascinating. I could talk about this forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like I love to I love talking about it because I don't I think some people, you know, they're they're totally around that concept of people have introvert and extrovert natures, but then that extends to countries, societies, you know, regions that really do kind of lean one way or another, depending on what they value. And often that is reflected in the leaders because whatever they value in a leader goes all the way back to what they start affirming when somebody is a child. And so, you know, if you're cultivating leaders, then it's starting really early and, and the whole society tends to reflect what that attitude is. So it's, yeah, it's a really rich and relevant topic. And uh, I'm glad you're out there talking about it. You know, what if, you know, I'm thinking about, let's, you know, um, going back down into the, on the ground level and say that we're an introvert in um, a somewhat crowded environment. And I think of either in a corporate environment or it could be that you're an entrepreneur, but you're in a very extroverted sort of culture. You know, there are lots of talkers or there's value placed on the most vocal or socially active people. And, you know, we sometimes we can't even hear ourselves to know mm-hmm. what is our leadership voice? What is our leadership style? Am I a leader? How do we develop our own voice in those kinds of noisy situations? Mm, that's so interesting and such a, I mean, I think we're all leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, we. I'm really at the moment kind of, thinking a lot about self-leadership and Mm -hmm. that, you know, and again, (laughs) with the situation with the election, that you can see that so many people have forgotten that and are just prepared to go with what everyone else is doing or following, you know, blindly almost, you know, other people or the popular opinion. And I think that 
to be honest, the thing that's most important is to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And from my personal experience, you know, when you do find yourself, say, working in an environment that is so much against your natural tendencies or your nature, that that is when you get an opportunity to step back and say, hang on a second, you know, this isn't how I am at my best. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a reason why I come home from work every day and kind of just slump down on the couch because I'm so d- tired that I can't even function after the day. Um, yeah. And actually stepping back and going, okay, what's going on here? Isn't this interesting? And looking at when do I feel drained or when do I feel energized? Um, asking those questions, what really excites me and makes me passionate you know that there, there are things that people see as being more extroverted but you would know I imagine as much as I do that you know this theory of um you know free trait theory that Dr. Brian Little has developed mm-hmm. where when you find something that you're passionate about you will do things that are against your type um because it's more important maybe to you than you know maybe just sitting quietly if you have to get up on stage and speak about your thing you'll do it because you love it so much and I think that was the conclusion I personally came to was like I know that I could reach that goal I wanted to in my career I could get there but it would be you know, slow and it would maybe mean some sort of compromise on my personal integrity and values. And so I decided to walk away and that was really difficult because that was a goal I'd had for 15 years, you know, and actually walking away from that to do something else, you know, was not easy to do. You tie up your identity in in those kind of long-term goals and those kind of career goals. But it was like taking a step back and going, can I see that I'm prepared to do what it takes to reach that goal? And having that kind of self-leadership that even though, you know, some people might have looked at me and gone, what the hell are you doing? You know, (laughs) why would you leave this, you know, awesome, fun industry and and go and do something as difficult, let's face it, challenging as starting your own business. And, you know, again, that, that introvert, kind of leadership style of I actually don't care (laughs) what other people think. I'm prepared to stand out on my own and say, you know, I know myself, I know this is what I need. Um, I don't know if that even answers the question, but yeah, I think it's just really about understanding yourself and how you best work and then being able to make decisions from there and even communicate with people, you know, who are above you, managers and that sort of thing to say, hey, you know, just so you know, I'm quiet in meetings because of this. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. don't know how to how to treat introverts. That's why we always get told we're too quiet. We need to speak up more. We need to be more outgoing. And so it's kind of our responsibility to actually teach people or at least communicate with them what we need. And if they're not kind of responsive to that, then maybe we're in the wrong place. But mm-hmm. oftentimes people want to understand how they can support you and help you Um you know, as an employee or a, you know, a person in that kind of environment. Yeah. Well, one of the ways, yeah, you're, you're pointing out that one of the ways we can be set up for success is to set ourselves up for success and yes. to not assume that the people around us are indifferent to what is important to us or how we could succeed. And so to be able to articulate that, even if it means kind of sticking your neck out a little bit, will most likely pay off. Yeah. One of the things that you, um, as you mentioned there, you know, that um, being able to step back from all of that noise to hear yourself, you know, requires some 
definitely acknowledging your introvert side and honoring it. And I know you've got, you have a manifesto that's on your site. And in mm -hmm. that you speak about leading by example. What are some of the practices yeah. that allow you to show up fully and do all of those things that you're passionate about while still honoring your introvert side? I think oh, so many things and it helps that I don't have, you know, children and um, or even pets. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I have the freedom to be able to do it quite easily. So I want to really specify that up front mm -hmm. because, yeah. you know, I even think now people keep saying to me, you know, you're in your early 30s. Have you thought about having kids yet? And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I really like my quiet time. I'm yeah. not sure if that's something I, you know, obviously whatever happens, you adapt to the situation. But yeah. for me personally, it's things like not feeling bad because I've spent so much of my life feeling bad about the way that I am or the the things that I need um, and being told, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think we've probably all got examples of being told that that's not enough or not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, learning to really accept that part of me and know that I can show up as my best if I really honor that. Mm -hmm. It means things like, you know, getting up early but not really talking to anyone for kind of the first two or three hours of the day, um, quietly doing things that mean I don't have to be on necessarily, um, mm -hmm. you know, being really thoughtful about and mindful about what events that I attend or what I commit to, how many clients I'm seeing at a time and, you know, those sorts of things actually from and this is something I talk about quite a bit with my clients, you know, making sure that we set our businesses up to support us, not to look the way we think they should look. Yes. So I think it's so important that if you're starting a business or even if you have a job, you know, that you're looking for certain things that are going to support your strengths as opposed to I should be like this, so mm -hmm. that's how I'm going to set my business up because it's never going to work. You know, mm -hmm. instead of trying to change those parts of yourself, like, oh, I overthink everything, so it takes me a week to write a blog post. Well, what if you gave yourself that space to take that week and know that that's your creative process and honor that and make space for it? How much better does that feel exactly. than, no, I need to bust this out in an hour and it has to be done and if it's not done like this, I'm just going to beat myself up about it all week. That is not supportive. No, and not sustainable. <laughs> no, absolutely. And then it makes you resentful and it, you know, it yep. means that doing something like blogging, having a business, doing all of those things that we do in our businesses, um, you know, yeah, it makes them not nice things to do. Whereas if we can set ourselves up, you know, I have a thing, I don't see more than three clients a day. It's just mm -hmm. what I do, um, you know, a couple of times a week. It's, and it's on purpose because there are days where you need creative space to write and you need, you know, time in between sessions to be able to re-energize before you have to be back on and holding that space for the next client. And, you know, it seem, it may seem, you know, we all have this kind of like, oh, but that's selfish. I shouldn't be like that. But the thing is, is that if we can support ourselves and honor our introverted energy, we are then better able to step up for clients and show up for our families and in our relationships so much better than if we just keep running ourselves ragged. Yes. You're singing my song. 
<laughs> it's true. I'm and, not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I hear my, my own experience in what you're sharing and I hear my client's experience in what you're sharing. And I know it took me, you know, I, one thing I would just add is, you know, to give yourself a grace period and, and that compassion that you mentioned to experiment and play around with it and figure out what works, what, what your rhythm is. Admittedly, it probably took me a few years of working with clients, you know, on a regular basis to figure out how much time did I need in between sessions? How many clients could I handle in one day? How do I organize my time? And in some ways, I feel like I'm still working on it. But I have finally, I think, found a rhythm that supports me. But it didn't happen just instantly. It, it oh, took right. a little bit of trial and error before I found that kind of sweet spot. Absolutely. And I think that I mean, as adults, I don't know what happens in our lives as we grow up that we think that we should know all of the answers straight away or that there is an end result, you know, because it doesn't work like that. It's always, I think, in business, in life, in general, in relationships, it's always about just keep trying things out and then tweaking yeah. them and trying again and tweaking that. And, you know, it's never um, – we're – these humans that are moving around in a circle in the as the earth spins around the sun around you know around <laughs> in the universe the solar system <laughs> yeah. like nothing stands still so why would we ever believe that we're going to you know hit a spot and go okay I'm sweet I'm sweet now everything's perfect mm -hmm. because that just never happens <laughs> yes well let's travel to a specific spot on that spinning earth as yep. we wrap up here because I want to take you to Introvert Island <laughs> Yay! You've been granted, I've, I've waved a magic wand, and you've been granted a three-week all-expenses-paid vacation to Introvert Island. Love and it. you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? Oh, oh my gosh, only three? That's so hard. I know. I know. <laughs> can I just have like a Hermione bag where I just can put my, no, <laughs> like one of those used I, book sales where they say all the books you can stuff in the bag yeah. for a dollar, you know. <laughs> well, I'm. I have to say, I'm always got a million books on the on the go at a time, so I would probably want to take one of those, but I don't want to single any out over another. So, <laughs> if I'm going to take books that I've probably already read or have in my collection, it would definitely be a Harry Potter book. I don't really care which one; it would be one of them, except not the second one. Um, <laughs> but one of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> I've I've also been reading The Universe versus Alex Woods um, mm -hmm. lately, and so I would take that with me as well because it's brilliant and I love it. And he's a little introvert that gets hit by a meteor when he's a little kid, and um, <laughs> it's a really interesting little story. And I don't read a lot of fiction, so it's funny that I've mentioned um, two fiction two books so far. So far. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then it would, there would definitely be a business book in there. Um, again, at the moment, I've got a few on the go, uh, including yours. Um, oh, thank you. The Introvert Entrepreneur. So I would, because I'm on your show, I, uh, I would take that one with me and finish that off. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm loving it so far. I'm just like, for someone who is a finisher and, you know, reads books quite quickly, I often get distracted and, and move around uh, from yeah. and have a few books on the go at a time, which is kind of funny. Definitely. Well, excellent. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for taking uh, The Introvert Entrepreneur with you on the journey. Yes. <laughs> well, um, Catherine, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about the League of Extraordinary Introverts and everything else that you have to offer? 
So probably the best way, except it's not the easiest way, but the best way would be my website, which is um, katherinemckenziesmith.com. Okay. So it's I'm sure it will be in the show notes because yes. it's Catherine. The K Mackenzie is M A C K um, uh, dot com, and that has yeah everything is on there. Uh, blogs. I, the League of Extraordinary Introverts is a little community, but also my podcast. Um, and I've got yeah a program that I'm just about to launch where it's it's kind of it's a one on one. It's for next year. It's a one on one coaching program, but it has some elements of uh, interaction with other people in the program, um, and that is specifically because so many introverts come to me and they are nervous about connecting with new people and meeting new people. So I really wanted to create a program that helps in a way that isn't fully a group program, but has those elements in there. So that's all. All of the details are on there as well. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun <laughs> chatting with you and our, um, lots of different points that we touched on. And, uh, and thank you for all that you do for introverts. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. And the same back to you. Um, I mentioned earlier to you that Insight was one of the first books I read when I started to kind of head down this path. And um, it's been such a guiding light for me. So thank you for your work as well. It was really fun chatting with Catherine, and I especially enjoyed our chat about differences in perception of what makes a leader in different parts of the world. It's always worth considering those differences, not just amongst the people that we have around us, but in our global society. And I hope that our conversation perhaps leads you to think a little bit more about your experiences, both at home and abroad, whatever abroad is for you based on your location, and what you've noticed about the differences in leadership styles and personality types, and how that might influence how you react to and relate to other people. I want to share just a snippet from the article that I mentioned in the beginning. I used to be a human being. About halfway through the article, Sullivan writes, GPS, for example, is a godsend for finding our way around places we don't know. But as Nicholas Carr has noted, it has led to our not even seeing, let alone remembering, the details of our environment, to our not developing the accumulated memories that give us a sense of place and control over what we once called ordinary life. That point was driven home to me yesterday as I sat with a friend during a visit with Bob, who turns 99 years old this coming February. During our visit, Bob recounted different places that he had lived and worked, friends that he had had, all real-life friends, mind you, and where he had served in the military. He talked about how he got his first job at a bank back in the 1930s, recalling by name all of the people who helped him along the way. He knew specific street addresses for different houses and apartments that he'd occupied. He remembers details about people and places from 70 years ago, putting me to shame when I have to pull up my Outlook calendar to remember what I did or who I spoke with last week. Reflecting later, I realized that Bob's 98 years have been fully lived completely in whatever present moment he was experiencing. He probably hasn't spent one second on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat, if he even knows what they are. But he can name real-life friends from church and work and school that he'll never forget. How many young people today will be able to do the same thing when they're 98 years old? 
how many of us who are in our 30s and 40s will be able to? As our number of friends increases, our meaningful connections have the potential to decrease. As we rely on technology to get us from point A to point B, how much are we disconnecting from our surroundings, depending on Siri to get us to where we're going? There are places that I have to repeatedly call up on Google Maps because I can't seem to commit the path to memory. I don't say that with any pride. I see the same pattern happening with other areas, and I really want to try to address it. For instance, here's a quick story about that. Every time I need to use the word effect, I could never remember the difference between effect with an E and affect with an A. So every time I'd Google it and plug in the right spelling without bothering to commit the difference to memory. I just wasn't learning, I was just researching. Finally, I decided one day that enough was enough, and I found a memory trick through Grammar Girl. Of course, I found this online because that's the easiest thing to do, but the intention was to be able to remember this without having to go online. So Grammar Girl says to remember the word Raven, R-A-V-E-N, and use the A-V-E-N to remember the difference between affect and effect. So affect verb effect noun, A-V-E-N. And that was exactly what I needed to hear. And I remember it. And now I use my brain instead of Google to tell me which word to use. And it feels so much better. Now that's a teeny tiny example. But I believe that when we do that sort of thing hundreds of times a day, we diminish our ability to think through problems and figure out information on our own. I really try to search my memory banks or think through something logically or I gasp to say, ask another person if they know before resorting to Google. It's one small way to decrease my dependence on technology for everything and increase my connection to my memory, my experiences, the things I learned, and even the people around me. As we get closer to the new year, our thoughts naturally turn to resolutions and goals. I prefer to set intentions, which speak more to what I want to feel and experience than to what I want to check off a list. My intention, among others, this coming new year, is to spend more time experiencing the world in 3D reality, rather than in the one or two dimensions of my various device screens. I really want to commit to making the bedroom a no-phone zone. I want to read more, take more pictures, and here's a big stretch for this introvert. I want to do more calling instead of texting. And I know that is just crazy stuff, isn't it? <laughs> but it's part of reclaiming myself as a human being instead of falling into the trap of thinking I'm a human doing. I hope you'll join me in reflecting on our relationship with technology and our constant media consumption and how we can all be healthier emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally in the coming new year. If you've kicked off into gift-giving mode, there are few things that introverts love more than a good book. And books are more than just paper and glue or letters on a screen or, or um, audio coming into your ears. They offer inspiration and empowering information. And often, they provide just the nudge we need to take the next steps towards our goals. 
My intention with my latest book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, is to do just that. So I invite you to consider it for the introvert entrepreneur or professional in your life. The contents of the book apply not only to small business owners, but to anyone who has an entrepreneurial role within a larger organizational setting. It's also perfect for the budding entrepreneur who's planning to make the leap in 2017. You can get your copy online through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, or your independent bookseller. And in reality, you can get them wherever fine books are sold. It's available as a softcover, ebook, or audiobook edition. And if you want to experience that book in community, I'll be starting a new round of virtual book groups in January. The link to learn more is in the show notes. And while you're there, check out options for the one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting that I offer to support you in making 2017 your most successful year ever. Thank you so much to Paul Messing, my fearless podcast producer, and my assistant, Naja, who provides all these awesome episode show notes. You can find those show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash podcast. And thank you for joining me for this episode. I hope you found it to be time well spent. And if you did, I invite you to do me the honor and do others the service of leaving a review on iTunes or sharing this episode with your colleagues and friends. I really appreciate your consideration. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Mm -hmm.